You're listening to a sermon from New City Fellowship in Manassas, Virginia. New City Fellowship is a diverse community that proclaims the gospel and makes disciples for the glory of God and the renewal of our city. For more information, visit newcityfellowship.net. That she could face the judgment of God if she didn't get right with him. And so right there, she wanted to get right with God. We spent time going through the whole gospel, and believe it or not, she came to faith right there on the phone. Now, here's the reason I tell you this story. Uh, I love when pastors tell the stories. Uh, the only problem is it might give you the impression that this happens every three hours. Uh, usually when guys tell stories of, I led this person to Christ, I did this, I did that, all it really does for the audience is makes them feel worse about what they're not doing. I have uh, perceived in my mind very different things than are in reality for all the great Christian leaders that I have followed all my life. This is a very unusual thing. And to tell you, I've been walking with the Lord for uh, <clears throat> 50 years, and uh, I have only had this experience a few times. You know, granted, I've been able to preach to larger groups. I've been able to talk to people at church. But I'm saying personal one-on-one over my career and everything. This just doesn't happen all the time. But by God's wonderful grace, he opened an opportunity, and I got to see this. And the, the, the work that was going on in her life, is the right work, the power of God to expose our sin and then to lead us to repentance. Now, after she prayed with me, though, she shouldn't spend any more time thinking about those things that happened years ago. She's been burdened by these things, these decisions she made for 30 years, feeling awful, feeling terrible about these things. And some of them were really bad. She shouldn't have done them. But now that she's a Christian... Now that she knows Christ, now that she's experienced the forgiveness of God, if she has good doctrine, she should not worry one more day about those events. Now, here's a problem. If you're like me, you're introspective. So on top of me being a Christian, I am also lent to trying to be a better person, trying to be a better dad, trying to be a better friend, trying to be a better worker, trying to be a better uh, uh, at, at everything. Would you agree? And nowadays, there is such a, 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 a world of information about how to be better about everything. We learn everything. We can know about how to be a better dresser, how to be a better uh, uh, fitness. You could be better at your eating. You could be better. And there's a 50 different things every day I got on my phone to tell me how to accomplish all these things. And really, all those that I read just tell me of my failure. Because I'm not doing the things that I'm seeing I could be doing. And as Christians, sometimes because of our poor doctrine, we end up focusing more on what we are not doing than we do on, on who he is. It is a misunderstanding. It is, it is Satan's way to get you. Let me explain to you the difference. Satan cannot get Louise to go back to the streets in Toluca. It's not even a temptation to him. He and I went and visited this bus stop, a bus station where he was at. He didn't say, boy, you guys go back to the hotel. I'm going to stay right here. I'm going to stay right here. He had no temptation there. Satan's not going to get him that way. But what Satan will get Louise with is this. Louise, <clears throat> you know, yesterday when you yelled at your son, you're not fit to preach a sermon. Or, uh, Louise, why is it? that you haven't memorized the New Testament like this preacher or this person? Or, Louise, why is it 
You follow me? That's where Satan can work to get me discouraged enough that, frankly, gets so overwhelmed with the Christian walk that you lose the joy and the peace we talked about that Christ offered. Because how could Christ offer peace and then not mean it? How could Christ say that it is his goal, it was his goal, to bring us uh, joy in John 15? This was his desire. And yet, when we don't experience it, it isn't because of his failures, but it's our inability to apply the doctrine or understanding of the doctrines of God. So let's dig in a little bit more, and let's look and think about this. Um, if we think of... Uh, this, if we think about our, um, our own way of, of meditating or evaluating ourselves, we can find our thoughts can be dangerous. They can assault us and they can affect our joy. Now, there's an article by uh, uh, this uh, lady, Christina Fox, in Desiring God. Um, and uh, you'll see me refer to it several times, but there's one thing she said. Sometimes, she's talking about self-evaluation, how needed it is, but she says sometimes we go too far. When self-evaluation ends with ourselves instead of pointing us beyond ourselves, there's a problem. This is good. And then Martin Lloyd-Jones, for those of you worried that I only read female authors, for fear uh, of being called, I don't know, do I need to wear a hat or anything for wearing? Okay, I just want to make sure it's all right to quote her. For fear of being called a liberal, I'm going to quote for you Martin Lloyd-Jones. Here he is, and I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, that guy sits around reads Martin Lloyd-Jones, and he finds these quotes. No, it was a quote in an article. Here we go. There is a type of person who tends to be always analyzing himself, analyzing everything he does, and worrying about the possible effects of his actions, always harking back and always full of vain regrets. This is just the result of bad theology. It leads to spiritual depression, which is what the book was about that Martin Lord Jones is quoted out of. We as believers can struggle with this and miss out on this. So here's what we're going to do is we're going to correct our doctrine this morning. Number one, I want to give you three things to know about God. God thinks good thoughts about his children. Psalm 139, 17. How precious are your thoughts towards me, O God. How vast is the sum of them? They would outnumber the sand. Okay, wait a minute. <clears throat> Chu and I have gotten to know each other over this last year. Um, and I uh, uh, have appreciated it. I think you're, you're doing great to come here to church. Uh, he has a heart for the Lord. He wants to serve the Lord. And boy, oh boy, is that what you need in a pastor. Is a desire, an earnest desire to care for you and care for the work of God. But as I get to know him, if I were to text him Monday and say, hey, I was thinking about you and your family, he would think that would be nice, correct? But if I went another step and I thought about him quite often and helped him and was there when he needed him and all those things, our friendship, what happens? It gets better, right? The more I know he knows that I'm thinking of him and care about him, the better, the closer our relationship. Here's what I want you to get. My problem is, I assume, based on my life and the way I live, that I am probably a total disappointment to God all the time. I don't believe biblically that he's angry at me. I believe he loves me. But more like I love a wayward child, you know? Like, I love them. Yes, I love them, but I want to kill them half the time, you know? What in the world does this kid... But here's what we do. I have, th I have three kids, three girls. Uh, and, and 12 grandchildren. 
Um, and, and all those kids, let me tell you the truth. I really want the best for them. And I really get worried about them. And I really get disappointed with them sometimes. But let me explain to you something. I love my kids beyond the disappointment. If, if they were sitting right here right now and a fire were to break out, I love all you people. I'm glad you're here. But I'm going for those three. I can tell you that all day long. Ain't no question. They're my kids. I'm going for them. You follow me? Why is this, why is this important? Because I think I'm a better father than God is. Because we think, we assume that, you imagine, sometimes you got to have hard talks with your kids. My youngest is 33, 33. So I had to have a hard talk with her just recently. Now, the question is, once I was done having a hard talk with her, we're driving, we were on a drive, was it going to be the rest of the uh, time together was going to be misery for her? Because she had to worry that I'm constantly unhappy, I'm constantly, you know how it feels just being a, a thing like this. You've maybe never disappointed anybody, but I have. And you're, you're riding with somebody, you feel like they're disappointed. You don't feel drawn to them. So in order to give the disappointment as a dad, I knew that I had to uh, balance that with my love I feel for her. You see what I'm saying? This is what God has done. So why would we think that God would only think thoughts of disappointment to us? And that doesn't make for much of a relationship. It's very hard to be close to somebody who is disappointed in you, is unhappy with you. The second thing we're going to learn is God is pleased. God is pleased to have you as his child. Listen to this wonderful verse in Jesus. And, and we're, we'll get right back to uh, Psalm 139. But I just want you to enjoy this. Um, uh, Luke 12, 32. Uh, in, in Luke's rendition of the Sermon on the Mount, Wonderful, wonderful. This sermon, man, it's world-changing, those three chapters. Jesus could have finished his ministry right there. It is so powerful. A friend of mine getting a doctor's degree in this, which I would love to learn how he could do that. But the point is, it's a lot, this one sermon. Wonderful, though. And Luke includes a phrase that the others don't. You know where he says, seek first the kingdom of God? You know where he says that? So generally, what I have done with that verse is I've thought, am I seeking it first, the kingdom of God? Valid question. Certainly good. But I would say I've driven myself near crazy wondering whether or not I loved my work, my wife, my kids, my church, or Jesus more. Well, the truth is we love all those things, don't we? If you're a real Christian, it is our desire to seek first the kingdom of God, right? But here's what Jesus said in the sermon on top of this. But then he said, don't be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Man, if you want to give me something, it's very different from you uh, being obliged to give me something. See the difference? If I uh, could understand that your father, the Lord Jesus, and this is only for real Christians who've repented of their sins and know the difference, for your father to be pleased to start this relationship, that's very different. Matter of fact, I don't know in my orientation to God if I even picture that he could be pleased Pleased, happy God is very foreign to us who grew up at least around a formal, more godly, reverential church system. <clears throat> Nothing ungodly about that, but we need to grasp the true doctrine of God, which we find in his word. The third thing I want you to say is God uses illustrations to explain to believers what he is like towards them. Now, let me be clear. This is towards believers. Never, ever, ever 
should you misunderstand that this is for all people. It is not for all people. Listen, it is important to understand nothing that he does towards his children should be allocated back to those who've rejected and rebelled against him. But here's, here's, so this is dangerous, right? We worry about those preachers who stand up and tell everybody, you're all fine, you can get three steps of success, all that. We worry about that, right? But let me warn you what we do is we take the same passages that are meant for the sinner and apply them to the saint. See, when you read the Old Testament, if you read through Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, what was the purpose of those books? What were those prophets doing? Were they telling a new covenant believer how to live his daily Christian life? No, he was warning Israel of their rank immorality, of their evil and their, their ungodliness. And so you're reading these guys that were sent by God to tell a wicked culture what they had to stop doing. And then we'll take that same verse and say, that's me and how he feels about me as a mom as I'm raising my kids. It's, it's just not what he was saying. Follow what I mean? We need to understand that we need to apply God's word for us, for those of us who know Christ, properly and not misapply these doctrines or, or these words uh, in other parts of the scriptures that are meant for the lost. Remember that even Jesus' ministry was mostly evangelistic. Jesus was here to bring the gospel to humanity. So much of his sermons are not pointed to New Testament believers, to his apostles after they got saved, after his thing. So here's the third thing God does to help us, to try to get us to understand the difference. So use these illustrations, and I'll just give you two. One is as a father. How about Psalm 103? This is just a beautiful thing. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. As we hear about Franco, and I see his dad standing next to him, believe me, his dad has compassion on his child. Shoot, you have compassion on his child. But his father... A matter of fact, I was thinking the pain that he must feel every day. Why? Because he has such compassion on his child. Now, is Franco's dad better than my heavenly father? I don't think he is. The Lord has compassion on those who are his children, for he knows that we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. You cannot get this in your brain. You are human. And all these things often, listen, here's the way I am. I, I think I ought to be... Um, I don't understand why I'm not uh, a 50 or 60 year old bodybuilder. I don't understand why I'm not fluent in Spanish. I don't understand why I haven't memorized the New Testament. I don't understand why I'm not a perfect father and why I'm not a better husband. 38 years of my marriage and, and all those things. So I could spend my whole day. I could spend my whole day and have spent much of my time forgetting that human beings don't do all five of those things. They don't do all five of those things. There are limits to what humans will do. And at different phases of your life, there's more limits. If you're raising little kids, it is not realistic that you are to be on the corner preaching the gospel uh, in uh, uh, some foreign land, the unreached people. You can feel like, I need more time with God, but then the baby wakes up at 3 a.m. and your husband gets to work there or other way around. The husband is uh, working 20 hours a day and you say, this is terrible, this is sinful. Well, maybe not. Maybe that's all you can do. For me, I was a pastor and a policeman at the same time. So I was a D.C. policeman for my career, and I was very involved with police work, and I was very involved at church as a pastor. But I also was raising three kids. So how'd you do all that? Well, I did that for that phase of life. Wouldn't recommend it for everybody for always. But as we get to know God, we understand that he knows how we are formed. 
and he remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like flower in the field. The wind blows over it, and it is gone. Its place remembers it no more, but from everlasting to everlasting, not just in the phase you're in, not just when you're in, but from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. You just picture the Lord's love when you're changing a diaper. You just picture the Lord's love when you're watching television. You picture the Lord's love when you are living your life before him, even though you can't do all the wonderful things that you would love to do or be the perfect person you hope to be. How about the shepherd idea he gave? Second illustration, Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep, my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life. Picture this. Just as the father knows Jesus and Jesus knows the father is how he knows you. Look, it is really hard not to be empathetic when you get to know people. It is really hard to not be empathetic once you understand why they are even uh, acting the way they do. One of the benefits of us saying, uh, oh, that came from his childhood or whatever. I I know there's negatives. I know that you could say that's um, dismissing the responsibility, human responsibility. We're, We're all for that. I understand that. But by learning that in the culture you live in now, we have learned to be much more empathetic to the human being we're seeing or living with. Amen? This is the wonderful joy of, if I can believe what God's word is, I want you to walk in the blessed, blessed joy it is to walk with a God who loves you, whether you're at the grocery store or in the church service. The God who walks with you, whether you are singing a worship song or learning how to play guitar. The God who loves you and walks with you and is not disappointed in you that you are unable to accomplish all the goals, the wonderful goals that you and your preacher and all the other teachers here all week have told you. Listen, we're all victim of this. Uh, I have three daughters that have three that have all these little kids and they always all day on the Internet. They're hearing about these Christian moms that are doing everything perfect. And they wonder, I'm not you know, missing that. And how do you do that? Yeah. Um, wherever you're at in pressure, you can find the same things. Whatever you're at in life, whatever phase you're at, you can find those same things. You can always find somebody who's doing something you ought to do. What I think we've got to learn is to believe the truth about God, and this will drive us to him. So that's why I'm going to end with this. Has said is the loyal love of God. This is a doctrine that I was not aware of. But in uh, Exodus, uh, where Jesus, where God uh, explains who he is, he defines himself. One of the characteristics he says is that he has this loyal love, chesed, which he has for every believer. Uh, This loyal love of God is very different than any loyal love you and I can experience. As a matter of fact, it's so wonderful that it's extremely hard to translate. So throughout the Old Testament in Hebrew, it's loving kindness, it's kindness, it's all kinds of different things. But there's no word in English to really explain how wonderful this is for you and I as we pursue God I want you to get to know these characteristics this idea of said is a loyal love a love that is loyal no matter what the other party does so if you're thinking about God I am amazed by um, the stories in scripture of how God has been eternally merciful to people like Manasseh or Paul or others how could he do this Well, it's because he has this loyal love. How could he continue to love them? 
because he has this loyal love. You and I, listen, you got to know this. He has this chesed is for you. If you know Christ, the loyal, passionate, compassionate God who has tried everything to explain to you how he is, has that for you. Imagine I got all these grandkids and I, I try to, man, they ask the craziest questions. They ask the craziest questions. What is this? What is that? Why is my four-year-old, he was saying to me the other day, why is your heart in your stomach? Well, my heart isn't in my stomach, but I know what he means. And I'm trying to explain to a four-year-old what to do. Listen, God does that with you and me. That's doctrine. That's how you learn your doctrine. Is God kindly tries to say to you, okay, I feel compassion for you. I do. Uh, this is what God says. Imagine I was your father. Imagine I was your shepherd. Imagine he gives us all these illustrations, one after another. He says, <clears throat> he describes it, and yet we dismiss them as though that it's not true or it's not pertinent, or at least we don't apply it to our daily walk. So I want to encourage you that God has done a lot. Jesus loves you so much. He came to you. He, he's willing to forgive your sin. He's willing to meet you wherever you are. He died for you, for heaven's sakes. He gave his life for you, and he would only do it for his children. He did it for you. He loves you. So let's trust him, and let's walk with him in the loyal love of God. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your loyal love. Thank you, Lord, that among a world where every preacher feels like he should be a missionary, every missionary feels like they should be persecuted every persecuted person thinks they're not persecuted enough and uh, we all are struggling with this feeling that the enemy wants us to dwell on about how you are disappointing us by your great grace Lord Jesus I pray you will make us more holy but may it be because we love you and walk with you may it be because of the superior joy we find in you may it be because you are so great and you've been so kind to us that we naturally want to follow you. Deliver us from our ungodliness. Deliver us from our sin. Deliver us from the things that are dragging us back. But Lord, at the same time, may we do this with full knowledge of who you are and your truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
therefore, and make the